it's like tight enough on me. Like right. I could do, I could have done with one higher. The hyper turkey is an extra large, and like that doesn't feel like I'm not. I'm five foot nine and like 175 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Why? Why am I? Why am I needing an X? Like, it just makes me feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. I'm. So, I can't believe I'm going to be ordering this. Like, what's happened? Uh, yeah. Yeah. For those yeah. listening in, uh, both Craig and Adam have succumbed to the home kit. Uh, after a couple of good results and some free shipping, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, the boys have collapsed uh, and what was dubbed one of the most ugliest home kits going is now being purchased by two out of three. Uh, and the orangey red kit that nobody was a big fan of either is currently being worn by the other one. So uh, we, we did a superb job of uh, keeping it all together there, fellas. Well, yeah, I've decided now that the home kit is one of the most beautiful things I've ever laid eyes upon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know why, because it is relatively objectively quite bad. But um, turns out, just beating ten man wolves is it, it looks glorious now. Yeah, it always helps, doesn't it, when you absolutely dick Chelsea one week and then uh, and then have a thriller at Molyneux the next. Um, don't feel like you see a lot of goals come from wolves. Uh, pretty sure Adam noted that they. Uh, they're not a team that score more than one very often, uh, but Brighton and Albion never fail to, to disappoint. <laughs> um, so we'll open episode 193 with uh, some Wolves chat, obviously. Um, so how are we, fellas? Adam, Craig, uh, how are you feeling after yesterday? Are you happy with that? How are you feeling with an extra hour's sleep? Uh, for those in the UK, our clocks fell back yesterday, uh, not a week ago. Um. Well, I'm screwed. With an 11-month-old, uh, the time change is barbaric. So, because um, the baby does not adhere to our standard timing conventions, um, so that's that bodes well uh, with waking up at silly hours in the morning and then being sad in the evening. But outside of that, great. This was a this. We'll we'll dig into the game, but this felt like a really important one to walk away from with three points from uh, with with one Premier League game remaining before Qatar. So, uh, yeah, pumped about that. Yeah, pretty good. All good this side, I think. Um, yeah, extra hours of sleep has definitely helped us all, but uh, obviously just buzzing yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I, like you said, it was it was important. Um, what we got, two games left, including the League Cup game as well. So, um, I think, Josh, you, you tweeted out the other day as well. It's incredibly close and it sort of snuck up on us and all of a sudden we've you've got one, one prem game left until we until we break up for a month and a half yeah i'm never gonna like it uh i've got an interesting question for you actually moral question before we get into the wolf stuff just talk world cup real quickly for a second gary never was absolutely rinsed uh on have i got news for you this week uh for not well for not refusing to go to qatar basically um do you, how do how do you two feel about the whole Qatar situation? Would would you say that someone like Gary Neville or any of the others is a hypocrite for criticizing Qatar, but also then taking a big big fat paycheck to cover it for ITV, BBC, whoever it is that's going to be over there? Or do you consider it to be fair game uh, and like no different to people who criticize and then will promptly tune in and watch every single game on the TV? 
I have my own thoughts and I'll, I'll share them as well, but I'm interested to hear what you two think. And I know we're going off on a tangent real early, but there's, uh, <laughs> there's a huge, there's a World Cup coming up. So I fear it's, uh, it's kind of controversial. Uh, most of the people that are gifted it are literally in prison. It's probably worth <laughs> bringing up uh, <laughs> before we get into the Albion stuff. Uh, what, what, what's your take on, on that situation with people like that? I don't like this question. Uh, (laughs) It it annoys me and I'm still going to watch it. And I don't like that. Uh, It's a World Cup. They come along every four years. It's it's sacred. Um, But it's been sullied. I think we're all very well aware. Most most people are aware that this World Cup should never have been granted to Qatar. Ton of corruption. Money being slipped into hands on the tables and all that kind of BS. Uh, the workers and the human rights stuff that's been going on there, also not good. It's not These aren't exactly uh, controversial opinions. And then we're all just going to kind of forget about it a little bit. Maybe there'll be some banners and some people will get arrested and there'll be some verbal protests and you know, minor outrage. Um, and I think that's all that will happen. Uh, and I think unless there was a much bigger process where the countries all rallied around and basically all of the associations from each of the countries essentially said, we are just not going to do this, um, move it, do it somewhere else that has the infrastructure and the ability, even if we need to push it out a year, like the Euros had to do for, for, for um, you know, the last one around. I think that would have been the best situation and best solution for for everyone involved. But it's going ahead. I don't like it. I'm still going to watch it. And that upsets me a little bit. I think that's that's pretty much how I see it too. I mean, there's nothing really too much more to add other than you know, will I watch it? Yes. Am I happy about it? No. Um, I think that when it comes to the the Gary Neville situation, I guess it's the element of choice that he's actively choosing to go despite his his opinions, and I think that's where he's a little bit wrong and and hypocritical. From my own personal view, is that you do have a choice. You're you're not exactly strapped for cash. It's not like you need to do it. Um, but you are going to anyway. Um, so it's the element of choice for me. Um, do we have, do we as human beings have, have a choice as to where the World Cup is held? Probably not, but we're going to watch it anyway, despite our frustrations. Um, Gary Nell was actively choosing to go there. So it, it is hypocritical for me personally. Yeah, I, that's pretty much exactly my stance as well, Greg. I think that watching it on the TV as a fan is... Uh, and being against the idea of what everything is, well, everything this represents from the corruption down, the corruptions, the deaths of basically slaves, everything down from there is, I mean, I think you're allowed to disagree with it, right? And still watch your team play in it. I mean, I'm not going to tune out a Brighton versus Newcastle because the Saudis are killing 75 lesbian and gay people a year, a month, probably even like that's, I'm not going to stop watching Brighton play Newcastle for that. That's the same way I feel about Qatar. Um, but Neville, yeah, I think that they 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 really nailed it, and I think I think he knew that too. I don't know if you watched that clip, but he was uh, he was That's, not best pleased incredible. about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you if you're in that position, you're not exactly suffering for for money, are you? If you're Gary Neville, um, you you're choosing to take the big fat paycheck, um, and we're gonna see a lot of people do that over the next month and a half. Uh, we're watching, you know, we're seeing stories come out now of fans being paid to go over there and be you know these like weird spy fan ambassador things that uh that they're doing and to me i think that's obviously also dodgy as all hell right like they're they're definitely hypocrites if they've got any problem 
um, with what Qatar are doing over there. But I suspect anyone that's a fan that's taking X amount of money to get a free trip to the World Cup probably isn't that bothered by what's going on in Qatar. I also, it's not, it's not going to even be the most fun one to go to, is it? Uh, like with the whole alcohol setup and everything, I feel like you're going to have to be fairly wary. And I'm assuming that the, the Qatar uh, authorities will be on their best behaviour uh, with the the you know the eyes of the world on them. But it's not one I choose to go to. Put it put it that way. Um, even without all of the other BS, I just don't think it would be as fun. I think it's, it'd be like, I don't know, having a bunch of teachers watch over you while you're trying to have fun. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want it. I'd rather go to one where there's a party atmosphere and you can just actually enjoy the football and enjoy the atmosphere and the culture. And there isn't any of the latter. Yeah, it'd just be a bit of forced fun, wouldn't it? It would just be in this sort of village, if you like, and <laughs> currently being watched like Big Brother. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, it's a little bit like the uh, like the Brazil Olympics where they were all held, basically held prisoner in their Olympic village because of how dodgy everywhere outside of it was, um, which is more, more a problem with the Brazilian politics, maybe with the, with the recent election. We'll start seeing that turn around a little bit. But Neymar uh, furious, though. He is Mr. Mr. Nazi, taxes now. Nazi Neymar over there, unhappy with the <laughs> with the decision. Um, didn't realise he was such a prick. Well, I knew he was there's a, prick a, football, a lot but. of the ex like idol Brazilian players um, in our minds of are all very heavily in on the um, the far right Brazilian government side of things, from monetary and probably some level of religious indoctrination. Um, it's quite like all of the, I'm trying to think who else has come out. I'm not sure if Ronaldinho was involved at Rivaldo, other players like that. I think one of the staunch oppositions to that was like Janinho uh, was very much against Bolsonaro's government, but we've gone way off piece here. Let's talk about, yeah, geopolitics, enough of the Wolves game, sick of it. Yeah, so four two three one. Um We, <laughs> genuinely though, four two three one uh is back and in full effect and Deserbi is here. Right. We've had 10 minutes on politics now and nonsense and Qatar and the World Cup. So uh, for anybody who's listening and is about to turn off in their car and they're about sick of it, we're moving on swiftly to the world. Uh, They've already lost since left five minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Wolverhampton Wanderers. um, This was a big game, wasn't it? They were rock bottom of the league. Um, They've not scored more than one goal in a game. Uh, And we have just saw the beginnings of the true introduction of Deserby ball against Chelsea last week. So with a team that are about to set their stall out uh, in the way that they were, uh, and with a team that have just appointed a new manager, by the way, uh, for anyone listening, uh, Lapategui uh, just got appointed, I think it was the same day, wasn't it? Or Friday night, Saturday morning uh, before the game started. Yep. Obviously, I don't even think he was at the stadium. So, I mean, it wasn't really a new manager bounce, none of that stuff. Uh, But he's in. uh, They've got their man. uh, They went back from, I think that was the third attempt that they tried tried, uh, to get him. Um, This Wolverhampton team came out to send a message, I think, to their home fans that they're going to not just give this up uh, because they came out and went for it, didn't they? Um, And when you're putting to Zerbi's 4-2-3-1 against that, uh, that's one of the ones where you'd expect uh, a Sassuolo special where you see a lot of goals. Um, and that did not disappoint yesterday, did it? Uh, how did we feel about the 4-2-3-1? Were we happy to see an unchanged 11? 
there was obviously Welbeck was back fit. Um, you had uh, Veltman back fit as well, uh, both on the bench. Uh, for me, I was absolutely delighted with it personally. I thought that was absolutely the right call. Um, and I was very happy to see that that 11 continue out there. What about you two? More and more Deserby uh, DNA comes through with every game. Uh, and the second half wasn't representative of that, by the way. But the first half felt very deserving, very, uh, even just little passages of play. Uh, but the, from a lineup standpoint, the only change I personally want to see, and people will probably disagree with this, is I think I mentioned this last time around. I want I want Gross out of that right back slot, which he isn't even really playing right back, by the way. Uh, and I'd like to see Lamptey in there, uh, unless there's some little injury or something that he's carrying. Uh, and I want to see either Gross or Lalana play in that role behind Trossard. Because I think from a balanced standpoint and from what we can then offer going up and down the wings, that's preferable to me. But having said that, we'll, we'll get on to player performances. Lalana was Lalana from seven years ago for about 60 minutes yesterday and Gross scored the winner. So um, there's a decent chance that I'm an idiot. But uh, yeah, we saw with some of those early passages of playing the early setups and we'll dig into formations and specifics. But the way the 4-2-3-1 works, it just feels completely perfect for where Deserby wants to play. Um, and you saw right at the start, there were situations where Webster was just dallying on the ball. He would stand there and he'd just stroll around with the ball for a little bit and he'd wait for uh, Guedes or Hichan to, to, to try and move in and you'd have this instant quick pass out and it, well, there was one that really stuck in my memory about 10 minutes in or, or five ball went to McAllister and McAllister was like facing Sanchez just span around just hit a direct pass and it went right up to the Trossard area and we had a chance on goal that's that style of play that you get from Deserby lure someone in and then just go uh, we're seeing so much more of that every single game yeah, I, it's very quick, isn't it? I think we're, we're talking, what, six, seven games in and we're, we're talking a, a different entire way of playing. From a formation perspective, yeah, I, if it isn't broke, don't fix it, right? You just come off a 4-1 win against Chelsea. It'd be, it'd be rude to change anything in that in that respect. So, um, yeah, formation-wise, I was, I was good. And I, I think, yeah, you, you're, we'll, we'll talk about gross, but he, he isn't playing right back, is he? So uh, we'll, we'll probably get into that. But, yeah, formation-wise, absolutely fine. And um, look good to go. It started very well. Yeah, you talk about that Deserby DNA. Uh, the possession tells a lot of the story. Uh, 70% possession yesterday. Um, but I think the key piece, uh, and this is something we touched on in the Deserby podcast, um, and I scrolled back as far as I could be bothered uh, this morning. I went back about 25 games into last season. Uh, we had a 90% pass accuracy yesterday. Uh, as far as I am aware, all the way back to about October last year, <laughs> under Potter, we've never achieved anywhere near 90% pass accuracy. Uh, we had a fair amount of possession against a lot of teams, uh, some as high as that, uh, but nowhere near that amount of pass accuracy. Um, and that's something that we talked about with his Sassuolo team. Uh, they had a higher pass accuracy and a higher short passing stat than any other team in Serie A. Um, and holy hell, like yesterday was, uh, to think that it ended 3-2, um, the stats, this is another one of those classic doesn't doesn't pass the eye test, right? Like it was 
three two, uh, but we we look like we should have probably won by five um, in, in in the stat sheet, doesn't it? Um, but XG doesn't tell the same story, does it? One point six to one point two, so uh, it was really quite a classic open game, um, and inevitably, uh, as that's as that deserve DNA comes into place, uh, the counter attack looks more and more dangerous against it, doesn't it? Yeah, cliche klaxon alert. But it was very much a game of two halves, wasn't it? The, the the first half felt so open, so aggressive, and probably more of what we're going to ex- be exposed to um, as the season goes on. Ca- like chaos, uh, attacking in banks of four with backup players who are sort of basically pressuring with six, defending with the same amount and pulling everyone back. So you're basically overloading the opposition. The most interesting thing that I think from from what I've seen in that first half as well was it, it's how how he deals with our, our fullbacks. Um, and we, we mentioned Gross, but Caicedo, Estupinian uh, um, as well, they, they basically become central attacking midfielders uh, when we're pushed up. And if the ball's on the left-hand side and we're, we're fully up the channel with Mitoma, if you look over on the right side of the pitch... It's Solly March. We don't have a right back. Uh, it's literally Solly March on the right-hand side of the pitch and there's no one else there. Everyone else is just funneled into the centre. So Matoma has a ton of options, uh, whether it's back to the double pivot or whether it's forward to someone else cutting in like an Estupinian on a central overlap. Like It's really exciting football. But as you say, if, if Wolf suddenly get that ball back and Solly's pushed up a little bit too high, Pascal Gross ain't getting back. So there's there's that danger there, which is why we faced a Wolf side that hadn't scored more than one goal since May. That's quite a long time. And they scored two goals against us in the first half. Uh, chaos, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, that's what I that's what I said as well. It's just what a half of football. Like at least it's fun to watch. And and that sort of one goal more than you mentality is obviously gonna be exciting. Um but yeah, it's just to that point, and I think it's probably that Guedes's goal as well has come directly as a result of that, where Estepinian thought he could win it back just in the centre bit there. But Thomas tried to get back, but he's done his best and try and put him off. But that, that's what you're going to get, though, right? Is that, you know, attacking-wise, those options are going to be there, uh, and you're going to have a lot of people in the centre of the park. Uh, you'll go back, and I think Gross's interview afterwards is just he's trying to get into the box as much as he possibly can. And, he, and he's playing an inverted right-back position. So he's clearly been told that he needs to be one of the furthest <laughs> one of the furthest ahead. But defensively, he needs to be back with everyone else. So he, he's pulling a shift there, as well as Esther Pinion. Um, but those attacking options, and, and we saw it for the first goal as well, I think we'll, we'll touch on that. It's just, it's just a lovely team goal. Uh, and it's a direct result of having so many people in the box to be able to do that. Yeah, let's let's talk to Zerbi DNA a little bit more because we talked about this in the Sassu- in the Sassuolo pod in the Zerbi pod, uh, and his uh, friendship with Pep Guardiola, um, and the fact that Pep, I was going to say stole because he didn't steal their managers, they just they adopt right. Uh, he really enjoyed what Zerbi was doing in Syria. Uh, he calls him a disruptor, I think he said, uh, of Italian football, um, which is a really good way of looking at it, I think. Um, and I noted it on the pod that 
the role that Cancelo especially plays at fullback uh, and this inverted fullback idea is something that Pep introduced last year uh, and revolutionized the whole fullback prospect in the Premier League. Um, and not many have been able to replicate it. Uh, he got that from Deserby in Sassuolo. He said himself uh, that that's one of the one of the things that he has been really impressed by, the inverted fullbacks. And you are watching it in live motion now already. Um, Cancelo is basically everywhere over the pitch when he's on it. Um, he's, uh, he's, I mean, he's everywhere for City. Um, that's why he's such a strong fantasy Premier League asset. Well, until uh, I brought him in yesterday. <laughs> and, then, and then he got promptly, promptly sent, off. sent off. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. Um, and then you've, you're starting to see the exact same thing yesterday. We we know, I, I think I texted you two once or twice. Like, oh, cool. Estepinion's now a central attacking midfielder. He's now a central midfielder. He's now a striker. Like this is, and we and we saw Pascal Gross score a goal from you know the six yard box yesterday, uh, as if he was also a striker, uh, a fox in the box. Um, so you're seeing this this DNA creep in more and more than I think people realise. Um, you're starting to see these players get these ideas and run with them pretty quickly, and I think that obviously lends to the identity that. A Bloom has built over twelve years, and B Potter has helped you know cultivate massively in the last three. Um, and I think that first goal was the absolute epitome of it, wasn't it, uh, Mister Mitoma? Um, who will we we will probably be talking about an awful lot between now and the end of this pod uh, with a just sublime ball in uh, to Trossard. Trossard not happy with with the with the quality of ball he receives decides to one-up him with an unbelievable touch uh, to Lalana, uh, and then the man that you probably never want in the in the 18 yard box with a free hit goal Adam Lalana strokes it into the to the corner as if that's what he does every single week like his bread and butter um and we're one up within 10 minutes and Molyneux goes very quiet indeed doesn't it I still can't really wrap my head around some of the first half uh of football and especially Lalana's performance, because you also have to think back when we were all head in hands not that long ago. Not remove all the Potter crap, just from a player standpoint. What are we going to do? We've got no Kukureya, we've got no Basuma. Uh, and earlier on in the season, Worldbeck's playing amazing. The goals will come. We don't score this goal with any of those guys involved, because firstly, Matoma did. It was like an outside of the foot pass in the opposition penalty. Who does that? <laughs> Is that a J-League thing? I don't know, but it was audacious to begin with. That ball would have then funneled into last year, Mope or Welbeck. They would have duffed it. Um, instead, Trossard's playing number nine and just has that little perfect touch-off to Lilana, who might have played his best game in a Brighton shirt for me uh, and who we've seen miss that opportunity circa 500 times and just curls it into the corner. I don't know how that's happened, but it wouldn't have happened before. This is a new feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It's Lolana's best game for us. Um, it's just, I think we'll get on to the second goal as well because that was just completely different. But yeah, it's, he's he's in the box, right? And he, he's in and about. And I think Trossard is integral to that with a deft touch as well. But it, it's being in those positions and having Matoma on that wing as well, where 
Oh, yeah, we'll probably speak about him for another 20 minutes later on anyway, but just, just being in that position and being able to create from that side um, is so perfect for us. And being able to take on players gives us the ability to get three or four in the box and then allow that to happen. But as for the finish, that's outrageous. Um, so uh, I don't know where that's been hiding or, or been laying dormant for the last few years. Um, but I think if he's had a run of games and if he's feeling it, then by all means. Um, but yeah, great, great goal just all round, uh, the, the build up, everything. Um, it's just a shame about not being able to hold on to that. Yeah, it feels like that that whomst has awakened the ancient one meme <laughs> with Adam Lallana's <laughs> performance yesterday because it was really, really good. Um, Pierre in the chat prior to the first goal, Lallana and March conspired to flop in front of it. Uh, yeah, there were a few uh, early opportunities there, which was crazy, really, the amount of chances we created in that first 10 minutes. Uh, Pierre said he was feeling smug with his couldn't light a fire in a volcano commentary, which is the superb phrase, by the way. Never heard that one before uh, until Lalana went and proved him wrong. Uh, Stephen in the chat, uh, sorry you missed the start. You don't have to be sorry. There was there was a lot of World Cup and politics talk, Stephen, so you're probably happy you missed it. Uh, his 86-year-old father in Cornwall uh, hasn't probably been this excited in God knows how long. Uh, close to tears about Brian Deserby has created a real buzz. Um, and then Jay in the chat as well. What do you think about maybe against Wolves? We should have started Welbeck and Undav. Uh, first half we played well, but Wolves was just bigger and I felt they were taking Trossard out of the game. We had no physical play up top until the second half. I agree that Lana was amazing during the first half. No, no fear. Best game I've seen him in a Brighton shirt. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, Jay. So I'll say no, we shouldn't have started Welbeck and Undav because we won 3-2. Uh, <laughs> um, but they, uh, when they came on in the second half, both of them looked pretty, pretty tidy actually. Um, Undav won a couple of nice fouls. Uh, got his body in the way, his big body. Uh, he was taught, I think he talked about his weight not recently, uh, and the fact that he's on a pretty strict weight loss regime at the minute. If we're complaining about the fit of the Brighton shirts, I don't know what he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> custom made um yeah i think he's i think i think he actually did i think richie mills posted an article about it that he's actually on a proper weight loss regime at the minute um and i think maybe that answers a lot of questions as to why we're not seeing him play um he may just be miles off premier league fitness and, and conditioning um and if that's the case that that doesn't take just a preseason. uh that can take you know, six to eight months um, to really get to that level. So uh, maybe he's one to watch um, in the next couple of months. But uh, within two minutes and 36 seconds, I think it was, or something stupid like that, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers probably equalised. Uh, we went straight back at them for the throat uh, to try and score a second goal and probably conceded on the counter-attack, didn't we? Um I really, t- t- I will be honest, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with this Wolverhampton side, but I like that Grades kid. Uh, he looked very good yesterday. He looked about their only good player, didn't he? Um, and we were 1-1 within a matter of minutes. Uh, and when you look at the stats between their first goal and their second goal from 12 to 35, uh, that's the only time that you see the Brighton performance dip. Um, the unfortunately, dip it really did. Uh, by the numbers, it was horrific between 12 and 35 before everything bounced back to obviously insanely good levels. Um, but from then on, you know, from 12 minutes to 36 to two goals, it felt a little bit potable-esque, didn't it? It felt like we've seen this one before. Um, 
and we know how this is going to end up uh, against bottom of the table Wolves that haven't scored more than one goal since May. Yeah, and and yeah, Guedes did look good despite the fact that he hadn't scored all season. Um, and of course, trots out here and strolls past. Well, SD Pinion just got baited, as Craig mentioned earlier. There's a bit of a mix-up. Mitoma was not really his fault. I don't think he realised he had to teleport to left back, uh, and then he just got out muscled. I think, honestly, I. I'd rather Guedes scored there because I think the ref would have given Matoma a yellow card, possibly a red card and a penalty if he went down because uh, he got shoved in the back. So I actually worked out all right. Um, yeah, it was a, it's such a weird one because I also want to go back to Jay's comment about should we have started Welberg and Endow at times? So I don't know. You, Trossard's been so good lately and I don't want to get away from the 4-2-3-1 despite the way that Wolves set up. Uh, I was that first X amount of time in the game. It felt like I, I was like, I think I messaged you guys. I was like, if this doesn't end up four nil or something, I'm going to be annoyed because it just felt like we were just smashing the ball up towards their goal and creating so many opportunities and chances. And there were a few odd chances at the early part of the game where really we had a little bit more luck or whatever you want to call it. We could have been a couple up. Yeah, the counter-attack was frustrating. Uh, we're going to concede those. And I'm sure we'll talk about the penalty a little bit. And when we do get on to the second half, um, for me, this is the biggest disappointment. Because Wolves were, Wolves were a better team than us in the second half with 10 men. And that's a problem. And we go back to, as you say, that age-old situation of what do we do against the side that sits back and then just tries to counter us, especially when they've got a guy like Adama Traore, who essentially has been created in a lab designed to play this game. Like, okay, mate, second half, we're down to 10 men. They're going to attack us as much as they can. Just just sprint with the ball uh, and go for them. So I actually think we got a bit, based on that second half performance, I think we got a little bit lucky because there were situations there where they could have absolutely gone 3-2 up. Uh, and it didn't work out that way, but it's something we need to we truly need to work on. The first half for me, more of that. The second half, I never want to see it again. Yeah, it was obviously that that's the that's the question we're gonna have for a very long time. Uh, or as, as long as the Zabi's gonna be here, is how how do you break teams down with 10 men behind the ball, 11 men behind the ball. Um, how does that work? And trying to lure them in to, to get through that that midfield and, and be able to do that, that just wasn't going to be an option in the second half. So it was, okay, let's control the ball, try and make as many chances as we can. Um, luckily, we took one of them. Um, but yeah, it was it's a weird second half, but I think we knew it was going to be like that in the, you know, it's 2-2 going into half time. Like they're going to, they're going to take this with with the the guy being sent off. But um, first half wise, yeah, like you said, it was complete contrast to to, to what we saw. Um, so yeah, it, mad. But I think it's warranted. You know that that's what you're going to get with with a team with ten men for forty five minutes. Is you know they're going to bring on a, a specialist in counter attacking and, and just pure pace and, and try and catch you on the break. Especially when it's wolves as well. They're designed for this, right? This is. This is how they operate. It's been last season, especially. Uh, but like we said, they hadn't scored more than one goal in a game for months and months and months. Josh, was it a penalty? Was it a penalty? Was yeah, I think it was. Penalty? 
Um, yeah, I think it was. Uh, his arm is mile over, miles over his head. Yeah. Uh, he even said it in the post-match, and he? he said it's something he's really got to learn from. He's he, I think he said he's been guilty of it before, um, and he's really got to get that out of his game. And at 30 years old, you know, there's only so many years you've got left to get it out of your game. Um, I think that's just one of the the, the things that Lewis Dunk is going to be Lewis Dunk, right? Uh, I would rather have that and him play how he does than him not and, you know, take away some of that ridiculous jump in front of a bullet suicidal defensiveness he has. Um, but yeah, I think it was a pen. Uh, and it's, it's at least nice to know that, sure, they haven't scored more than one goal since May, but they did require a spot kick to get the second one. Um, which helps ease the pain a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it was a penalty. What about you? For me, yeah. You can't have your arm like that. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's too high, isn't it? I think, again, you, the fast stuff takes way too long. Um, but, you know, it is the right decision. I get it. But that sort of decision doesn't take three, four minutes to make. Um, I, You know, he's let the play continue and then they've spent two minutes looking at it. It's just, it adds to, I mean, granted, we made the most of the six minutes at a time, but like, I, I don't know why VAR takes that long. But again, right, right decision. So it is what it is. I think that's exactly right. Like that VAR, like that's the part that soured it a little bit. We will do it, for example, after like the second VAR replay. Like, why did they have to watch 84 more? Like, there's, uh, there's supposed to be an overhaul in Qatar for this VAR stuff, it's supposed to be able to be done in 30 seconds. Um, let's see if that's let's see if that's the truth. It's going to be interesting. Uh, this entire World Cup is going to be a goddamn disaster, isn't it? Well, I think what's great is that whenever I think of progressive change, I just think of Qatar. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of technology coming in. I don't know if you've looked into it. There's going to be uh, almost automated offside calls as well. 18 different cameras to track offside. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we may as well basically use the entire thing as a beta test considering how much of a joke of a tournament it is i, I feel like it's probably a great place to do it um but if england but yeah. win the world cup we then have to basically just talk about how it was incredibly well done and uh, arguably the, the you know amazing of human achievement welcoming country welcoming everything yeah like yeah amazing best place I've, i would recommend everybody go there yeah uh, with your england flags especially um <laughs> just amazing yeah incredible um <laughs> uh, I was going to quickly goal, say, though. yeah, go yeah. no, I was going to talk about that. That the, how, how many minutes was it? Because it was what, five minutes when Matoma just changed the game entirely. Uh, and what's crazy is that he he's winning a header at like five foot seven against a centre back <laughs> was my favourite part. I don't really understand. I, I don't understand how we won that header, but the Lana's play to create that was just, I think he went past three people. Um, I, I really don't understand how we did it, but they sort of stood off and then he saw a gap between two of them and just darted through like he wasn't Adam Lalana, and then just puts the ball in the only place where Matoma can, can win the header. Uh, just, just incredibly impressive. But Matoma's performance overall, I'm sure, well, I don't know how much surprise man of the match is going to be in this one necessarily. Uh, but I was looking online afterwards on various social media sources and trying to get opinions from Wolves fans and whatnot. All they would talk about was Matoma. 
and and how Semedo or whoever filled in there just never stood a chance against him. He's terrifying people already. And this was a guy that, I mean, that's just plucked from nowhere and wasn't even getting any minutes a few games ago. Now we're talking about him as, I'll tell you what, is he one of our best players? Amazing. Yes. Right now he is. Um, that ball from Lallana is one to be like watched again and again too. Like that's, I'll I'll say it and I genuinely mean it with my full chest here. If that was Kevin De Bruyne putting that ball in, match of the day it replay that every other second of the entire broadcast. That was a proper De Bruyne level like perfection ball that we've not seen from him ever, uh, and we've known him to be capable of sometimes. Uh, when when he played for for other teams, Southampton, Liverpool, etc., uh, that was truly like a proper special delivery yesterday to to Mitoma at that back post. He was a different player entirely, wasn't he? I, it's just the the level that he was at, and I think you know, testimony he gave it. And I don't think he can do ninety minutes anymore, and that's that's absolutely fine. If he if he comes up with performances like that within sixty minutes, then you're laughing. Um, so yeah. It, what a ball. You you couldn't put a better ball in. It's like literally the best case scenario. And and for Matoma to want it more than Semedo did and, and put it in. I think Pierre's just put in the chat, I really VAR tried to find a reason to, to to scratch off the goal. I don't know why they reviewed it like three or four times, but um just exactly what we needed. And and you're looking at that at 39 minutes, two one down, you're going, we need a goal before half time here to to really settle us in. Um not only did we get do we get a goal, but we, we got a little bit more as well. But um, yeah, Matoma's desire to get on the end of that and Lalana's ball in, uh, then you're you're looking at going in half time level pegging, and and you can go and attack the game. I, I'm watching it again as you're talking, Craig, and Lalana basically sort of mini Cruyff's turns, and then just murks Ruben Neves and, and some other guy, and I think. Yeah, he just, he just absolutely destroys two players, puts this amazing ball in. And poor Nelson Semedo, uh, because what, what a challenging five minutes for that guy. He gets beaten by Matoma for a header and then gets <laughs> red carded fairly. Great, finally, a sensible, quick, good refereeing decision uh, that, that happened for that sending off. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I was absolutely ready for it to be a free kick given against Matoma or something stupid, but he give him credit. He, he, he did it, but yeah, not, not good for Samada, the ex Barcelona player who um, is currently getting destroyed by Matoma. I mean, I'm pretty sure I got sat on his ass within 30 seconds as well. Didn't he? So <laughs> yeah, like I, he was in for a torrid time anyway. Uh, yeah, his Dan Harding levels even away from home. It's 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 pretty special what what he's doing. And I think Josh, you you said yesterday he's, he's making himself undroppable. Is that you you can't not play this guy now, um, and that's just going to play into our hands. You 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 come up with a game plan to to double team Matoma. March is also having a really good season, so you just pass it over to the other flank. So it, really good. It does generate those those options there where. It is exciting for sure. Yeah, Stephen in the chat. Uh, don't you think Gross, Lana, and Welbeck have all reversed the aging process in the last ten weeks? Uh, all look incredibly fit and hungry. I think. I think in the preseason pod we noted like how absolutely jacked Danny Welbeck has gotten. 
Um, and his fitness doesn't seem to have tapered off at all, which is really impressive. Uh, and it's probably going to help him this World Cup because uh, he now gets a break after running himself into the ground for a lot of games the early days, right? Um, and it will be good for Lalana as well. Gross, I think, is just like, I'm not sure he ever reversed it. I think he's literally just like a cyborg. Like, they're just like, he's not quick. He's just like Terminator 2, you know, and he just keeps coming through whatever you throw at him. He just, that's what he does, like just slow and methodical. Um, but talking of that red card, first of all, I agree with Adam. Love love the, the assertiveness, assertiveness the ref showed. Makes a nice change, doesn't it? Um, one thing that's not been noted about much is uh, Lewis Dunk called up to the 55-man preliminary squad. Uh, I've got two comments on this. Danny Welbeck joins him. And I know Adam's answer isn't going to be a friendly one. <laughs> but would you not think that Solly March should be getting a call up to that 55 as opposed to Danny Welbeck? given the season he's had and the utility he shows. Um, I don't think he goes ever, but I think if you're calling people up to the 55, especially as a utility player, surely Tolly Bart should be getting a look into that preliminary 55. No? No. Solly's <laughs> <laughs> uh, been great. Welbeck does? Welbeck, though? Well, the problem with England, among a number of things is that how many right-sided wingers that can't finish do we have in that team? Uh, at which point, when is March ever... There's March has got no shot at ever playing uh, because there's 15 guys in front of him. Whereas up top, you can make an argument that if, if Kane's not fit and maybe certain things go another way, that Welbeck offers you something a little bit different when you need to move to two up top. Uh and we don't have exactly a wealth of amazing up top English players right now. That's the only thing I'd say there, but, but it's a, it's a 55. He's, as you say, he's not going to go. I think we nearly made the 55, right? It's pretty all encompassing. Uh, so yeah, but no, there's, there's, there's no place for March in that team. But Lewis Dunk, however, uh, not many people noted the fact that it was his ball, absolute belter of a ball over the top. That Insane that pass. Card. Um, he does them quite often <laughs> that we uh, we watch a fair bit, right? We watch Lewis Dunk ping these passes around um, more often than not. Uh, and more often than not, they they find their man when he does try them. Um, he also made the 55-man squad. He has garnered more and more conversation every single... It feels like every, other, every single England call-up period that comes around more and more people are on radio stations, Sky Sports, BBC, ITV, questioning Gareth Southgate as to why he's not joining that final squad uh, as opposed to insert bang average centre-back here (laughs) that we seem to be intent on taking. Um, You think he's got a chance? Or you think it's just the same old, same old and he won't be going anywhere and we'll be bringing in Michael Keane? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think I think is it absolutely warranted? And are we going to continue beating that drum? Absolutely. I think that pass to Lalana in the first ten minutes as well was also from Dunk as well, straight over the top diagonal. March spoons it, and but he has it in his locker, and he's been doing this for a consistent period of time and is consistently overlooked. I don't expect that to change, but it should change. Um, that pretty much it i i can't see many other 
ball playing center backs that can be in front of him at this point and in, in what he's doing. But at the same time, this is why I'm so hesitant because nothing has changed. He's consistently this good at all times. Um, it's not that he's up the ante in, in recent games. He's just this good consistently. So if he's being overlooked a year ago, he's going to be overlooked here as well. Um, it's a bit of a travesty if you ask me, but yeah, there's, there's some rose tinted glasses on as well, of course, but it, he is really good. Uh, and he would add something to that England team that I don't think many other centre-backs can. Um, it's just a shame that nobody else sees it. Well, I think a lot of people see it, don't they? The, but the, the one person that doesn't see it is very nice man, Gareth Southgate, awful manager. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no other excuse. You, you talked about passing stats and possession and all that stuff, Josh, earlier. Lewis Dunk yesterday, firstly, who scored the website, whoscored.com, absolute scumbags, because they didn't award him a key pass. What was that What was that pass then to Matoma? It was a pretty key pass in my mind. Anyway, the guy... A Lewis key Dunk, pass, a key pass is, passes lead into a shot, but I agree with you. Yeah, well, okay, they need to change the definition. That was a key pass in every <laughs> other way that you could... It's, a guy got sent off. Uh, okay, so 113 passes with a 97.4% pass accuracy, but nine long balls. So tied with Adam Webster for most in the game, I think, with six of them accurate. That is ridiculous. So firstly, 97.4% pass accuracy. There was only three players with a higher pass accuracy by, uh, than Lewis Dunk. They were all subs. Uh, and, you know, Danny Warbeck had... 10 touches Joel Veltman was on for two minutes and Dennis Zimdow had one part like it, they had six total passes between them he had 113 but no let's play Tyrone Mings idiot Southgate yeah I'm not gonna I mean we, we're all on the same boat here and I think like you said like it's not people aren't missing it at this point that's the problem everybody but Southgate is seeing it um, and People, <laughs> Pierre says he hopes Qatar has a law against wearing waistcoats. They have a law about just about everything else, Pierre. There may well be one in the in the uh, in the bylaws, like one of those random English medieval ones about crossbows in Leeds and stuff. Um, it might be too warm for a waistcoat. I know it's going to be winter there, but he might have to mix it up. Art Stadium's going to be air conditioned as well. Oh, he's got away with it again, hasn't he? So okay. yeah. they're probably you know, he's the type that thinks air conditioning is too cold, and he for sure. Um, so <laughs> he's have two on two waistcoats. Um, second half, uh, not much going on really. Second half, a uh, lot of dominance, a uh, lot of counter attacking football from Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, almost conceding a couple uh, at both ends. Um, and I will note before the goal, uh, it was, um, I got it horribly wrong. I thought the substitutions were horrific. Uh, I could not believe the substitutions that were being made in front of my eyes, um, especially. Uh, the two that were made on 82 minutes. Um, and I think I just finished writing my text criticising the substitutions and Pascal Crow smacked into the roof of the net. Um, so uh, I look like a right dickhead. Um, but what, what did you all, what did you all think to the, the, the kind of the back and forth that attack versus defence in the second half? I know Adam, you said you didn't like it at all. Um, it looked just not great against 10 men. Um, and then what did you think about those substitutions for you as concerned as I was when you had people like Enciso and Sarmiento on the bench who have that explosive game-changing play in them. Yeah, they were a weird selection of substitutions. I, I, you semi-understand. Well, it's a shame, right? Because up until Lalana came off, 
uh, tremendous, as we've talked about. But we get it. He's going to break, uh, and he can't do the full 90, as, as Craig alluded to. So I understand you bring Lalana off there and bring Welbeck on, and you make a little change. That's obviously a more assertive change. Um, Estupinian coming off for Billy Gilmore's a weird one. I believe we moved Estupinian to, to whatever we were doing at left-back. Uh, and then Under for Trossard made some sense. Well, Trossard didn't have a ton of luck and per Jay's comment earlier in the in the Twitch chat, uh, there we maybe a bigger body would have helped there. And it and it and it did. Uh, that's despite the fact it's I'd be hard pressed to admit that that was an assist for Dennis and Dav, but the ball bounced around him uh, and, <laughs> and it created the goal. So this is one I'm gonna chalk up to saying that I don't know. I'm not a tactical mastermind to be able to uh, decipher what Deserby did, but we scored a goal and I'll walk away from that happy. But otherwise I didn't really understand the changes. I thought, well, yeah, I, my first thought was that's a little bit late as well, chasing the game, right? You're, you're 10 men. You, you wait until 82 minutes to make two changes. You, you've left yourself 10, 13 minutes of the game left and it's, it's like, okay. The, the Welbeck one uh, around 60, 65, I get it. Like, that is an assertive change. We're all happy with that. Um, I just thought he would have changed something a little bit quicker. Um, but again, who are we to know um, when when higher powers are at play? <laughs> and, and like three minutes after making those two changes, um, Gross gets that chance. Um, so, yeah, strange. But again, if it works, then I, I guess we can't really sit here criticizing it. It was just uh, a little bit baffling at the time. And uh, once again, the man at the centre of that third and final goal, game-winning goal, was uh, Mr. Mitoma. Um, with, after 83 minutes of running his guts out, uh, an unbelievably incisive cutting run uh, into the, well, just about to the bloody touchline, I think. It was all the way to the end. Uh, cuts it across, uh, whiffed by about four people until it drops to Pascal Gross. Uh, defensive clearances whiffed, shots whiffed. Everybody just missed it uh, until it fell to, to Gross's uh, feet. And away from goal, falling to ground, uh, he manages to turn it into an absolute bazooka of a shot into the into the back of the net. Um, and I will, I will say it now with a hundred percent certainty: we do not win that game under Graham Potter. Um, in my, in my opinion, uh, and whatever the mentality changes there is obviously starting early. Um, because for me, that's a classic 2-2 draw every day of the week for me, or a 3-2 last-minute counter-attack goal to Wolves, if anything. Uh, and I'm going to use the fact that we've watched him for three years, and that's exactly what's happened every time in games like this, uh, to take that kind of conclusion. Um, not this time. Uh, getting the ball in the box hard and low, especially was was the was the kind of recipe of the day, wasn't it? At that point, um, and that's something that we would we would never do under Graham. So, I think that's a game that we win due to Deserby and his his tactics and his mentality, right? I think so, but I'm, I'm not going to give too much credit just because of how how stacked it was in our favour with with ten men. Uh, with the fact that uh, we've got um, Ballon d'Or, Fischer Ballon d'Or winner, Matoma, uh, there's, there was so much in that second half, as we mentioned, whereby this game could have just been an embarrassment. And we end up having this podcast and we're talking about the fact that 
we how on earth did we not walk away with more from from a game which we essentially had sewn up from the from the at half time you go into your half time 2-2 facing 10 men for 45 minutes and you say to yourself anything but three points here is a failure and it was very close to being a failure but i do agree with you we 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 don't walk away with three points a lot of the time in this game under potter i really can't stress enough the the things that we've said in the past whereby we don't have game changing players in this team that can just if everyone else is playing bad they can step in and they can just overwhelm another team apart from a leandro trossard well matoma just did that yesterday we we now have another one because the first goal he was pivotal in that with the outside foot he scored the second his touch caused descending off to play against 10 men and he was the one that murked a guy, baited a slide tackle, went round, put the ball in that duffed off of Undav and another defender and meant Gross could score. You can't ask for much more than that. And the fact that we found him somewhere and signed him for 50 quid, I just, this, we, this club is the envy of many, if not all around the league, of finding these gems that somehow we've plucked out of nowhere and they become amazing players. And you know, I think we've got another one on our hands. It is. Yeah. I, I think you as soon as he started coming into the team, you know, even 15, 20 minutes here and there, sub cameos, you can see just what he's about. And and I think it's that directness that we've been missing is that to be able to, to create something out of nothing is, is that, is that one, that one thing that you miss. Um, <clears throat> we're a passing team. We, we lure people into attacks. Like we're very good on the ball sometimes you just need that raw explosive ability um in in order to unlock something and, and change something so you, you're, you're dead right I, it's just it's exciting to have another one like you, you've been waiting for a while for this and 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 there's no there's no barbs being thrown at solly march and pascal gross and and those sort of other wide players and um, they do an, an immense job in in the the way that we work and the way that we play um it's just another i guess facet to our game in, in that you can have these sort of players like Trossard and Matoma and, and be able to create from nothing and um, you have to have that alongside our methodology and the way that we play and um, so you're right without Matoma without someone like that you, you don't win that game I was fully convinced that that was going to end in a draw um, just because we have seen it so many times um, but I'm glad I was wrong uh, and obviously Matoma being able to run about like that for 90 minutes is ridiculous by the way so uh that that stamina is obviously going to help too but good goal um it's yeah just i can't believe he just sat someone down at 83 minutes and and just takes it to, to the touchline like just the, the balls on the guy it, he's he's just so good i it, again mad that we've been able to pick him up from the j league and, and our scouting system as we know is obscene um so again and another another rough one that that is going to be a gem yeah, um, be interesting to see how he does at the World Cup, won't it? Because uh, he was struggling mm. for minutes in J- Japan, in the Japanese side, as he was in the USG one. Um, be interesting to see if he starts getting more of that starting position right in the in the Japanese team when it comes to the World Cup. I think they, uh, he I made think the squad were, easily. Yeah, they they got rid of a few big names in that squad as well. So I think looking at it, I think he might actually be starting to an extent. But yes, really? yeah. Unless they've got the Japanese version of Gareth Southgate, I think he'll play. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see soon. 
Um, we uh, we'll see. Uh, Jay in the chat saying we do have players with that spark: Trossard, Matuma, uh, Estepinian, and Cizo Sarmiento. Yeah, I think that's that's it, right? Like a lot of those are players that are coming off the bench. Uh, Estepinian had left the game at that point. Uh, Matoma had played 83 minutes. You didn't expect him to do it. And we talk about Trossard being either hot or cold, right? Like when he's on, whew, like he's going to take the game by the scruff of its neck. When he's not, we've we've traditionally struggled. Now we don't. We've got two. Uh, so if one's hot and one's cold, we're still going to have a really good player on our hands one way or another. Um, man of the match for you two? Out of interest, who do you who, who did you pick out from that uh, performance yesterday to be your, your man of the match, fellas? <laughs> I, I can't I can't give it to Lalana just because he came off but it was it's 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 a shame to not give man of the match to a player that plays best performance for Brighton in a game but it's Matoma yeah yeah it's it, it is between him and Lalana I think you I'm completely in agreement like if Lalana plays 60 minutes gets a, a goal and an assist what it, in, incredible but I think Matoma won us that game personally Thirded, nothing special here. I think the player of the match uh, vote on the social media, I think Mitoma won it with like 96% votes <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so I suspect no one's going to be particularly surprised by that opinion uh, all the way through the Together PHA podcast. Uh, let's move on to um, Stephen's point in the chat. Uh, he thinks that Deserby will play the youngsters against Arsenal. Um, he also thinks we'll beat them. Um, I, I'm not sure about the second part, but I agree on the first. Um, I think he's going to go and want to take points off Villa. Um, I think the best way to do that is to give these boys a rest. Um, I wouldn't be changing this lineup too much come next week. Uh, I don't see any reason to change it after another performance like that. Uh, but Aston Villa um, just absolutely hammered Manchester United 3-1. Um, and from what I can gather, were comfortably the better team. Um what is uh, what is going on there? Do we, what are we what are we thinking first of all for Arsenal? Do you, do you want to see a change side? Do you want to see a chopped and change sides? Do you want to see us go for it and try and win it to get you know a cup run going? Or what? Like, what's what are your thoughts uh, on on the cup run? And then obviously the last game for Brighton until friggin' Boxing Day uh, coming up next weekend as well. Don't care about the League Cup. Uh, I think it's potential detriment at a certain point in the future where we have uh, real ability to get this side in and put to a position in the league table that is historic. And I don't want to compromise that with, with a cup run for a cup that no one even really cares about. Uh, just personal opinion. So I don't, I'm not bothered by what side comes out, but I, what I would like to see is what you hinted at, which is let's play the same structure. Let's get that mentality built in regardless of the players that are playing. Uh, but the other part of me also says that Arsenal will definitely rest. They'll definitely rest players. And we've got, it's just all they've got to get out of them now is is two games before a, a long rest for a, a bunch of these players. So you, I can absolutely see Deserby saying, you know what, I'm not going to mix things up too much. Let's play a half-decent side against Arsenal and see what happens, see if we can keep this good good feeling going knowing the fact that we've only got to play Villa guys, like you just get one more game out of you and then that's it. That's all I'm asking. So I personally don't care about the cup, but I could also see Deserby playing a decent strength team. Yeah, I think you'll see it in a half and half. I think you'll you'll see many of the, I guess the starting 11, but just 
sprinkle in the the undav the the Sarmiento start maybe um just switch a couple of them around give some game time um but yeah i i agree as long as as long as the mentality is the same uh, and the ideas are the same uh, let's get that let's let that ingrained in the memory but i think you'll you'll see a couple of changes but i don't think it'll be wholesale yeah i think you'll definitely see Welbeck come in i think you'll definitely see lalana rested uh i think you'll definitely see a couple of the others uh I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the the two midfielders rested too. Might be a good game for Gilmore to get in, take a look at what he's got to offer. Um, maybe even you you do a proper forty five minute and forty five minute with McAllister and Caicedo, uh, and give them both you know half half uh, and put Gilmore in there for the full game. I think if you're going to do minor changes, um, yeah, just because we don't really have much else as centre midfield, do we outside of Gilmore? Um, wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of the the real young lads that are on the bench frequently get a chance as well. Uh, I think Veltman will definitely come back in after yesterday being on the bench. I think he'll be ready to go. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about it. You talked about it just, you know, 50 minutes ago, whatever it was. Uh, I, I would like to see Lamptey get the start in that back four. Get Lamptey get right back. Get Veltman in at centre half or whoever you want to get out. Uh, get Colwell in there or two. Like have your have your back four fully changed basically. Um, I would if it was me, uh, and I'd be I'd be funky on playing Esther Pinion because he's he puts in such a shift as well, um, and we saw what he can do against Villa. Uh, but I would I would like a fair few changes honestly because um, we have a lot of talented players on the bench. Get Sarmiento on there, get in Caesar in there if you want. I don't care. Throw them all on. Um, they're all they're all exciting young players. I mean. You know, you replace Mitoma with Sarmiento, you replace Lalana with Enciso, you stick Welbeck up top, rest Trossard as well. I mean, that's not a bad starting group, is it, up front? Against a rested yeah. Arsenal side? Because I think you're right, they will rest big time. So you're putting Enciso, Sarmiento, Welbeck as the old head. Uh, and then if you want to put March out, right, do that. You know, that's not a bad front four, is it? That's nasty. Yeah, Arsenal aren't going to do a damn thing to compromise their league uh, ability this year. Like, this is their best chance in living memory, not living memory because they won a few years ago, but recent living memory where they've got uh, the ability to actually do something here um, where I'm sure City will inevitably win it, but I, I mean, they're two points up on them right now. You've got to, they've got to drive. So I don't think they're going to be thinking about, oh, should we try and smash Brighton in the League Cup? No fucking way. There's there's no way. Uh, so maybe, maybe we could do something. It'd be kind of fun to see what we can do in, in a cup run. Uh, but I'd rather see us try and get one of the one of the European spots that everyone wants. What a weird sentence. <laughs> still, yeah, it's still, bizarre to say it, isn't it? But it's still surreal to me. Third of the season in, and we're sixth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this this league is nuts, by the way. I, I we just saw Palace win as well. You, you've got a very bunched up Premier League, and um, it's yeah. I, I know we say this every week, but just looking at the table, you get a few unfortunate results the back end of Christmas, and <laughs> you drop down a fair few places. So. uh yeah, it's a weird season. Things to also take into account here, of course, uh, is the fact that Villa also have a midweek game. We don't want to ignore the fact that they are also going to be making the same decisions. Um, they will be playing against Manchester United, the home and away leg, I guess. Uh, they, they played Villa. Uh, Villa played them at home 
uh, this, you know, about six minutes ago, it just finished. Um, and they then have to travel up to Old Trafford on Wednesday and then travel all the way back down to us uh, on the sat on the Sunday. Um, that's a lot of traveling up and down the country. Uh, not much rest in between the two. Uh, we, however, just have to jaunt up to London and back. Um, so that's a big, big help for us. Uh, they're going to be pretty disrupted. Um, and likewise, uh, they are going to be a team under Emery now who are probably going to really fancy a cup run, uh, knowing what he can do in knockout games. You know, those one and done's his, his specialty. Uh, it's gonna, they, They're going to be faced in a similar situation. Um, and they are not in the best form of their lives, despite that new manager bounce they got today. Um, and I think that's one of those things to keep in mind there. It's Deserby is probably going to be looking ahead to that too and thinking, what do I, what do, I do here? How, how am I going to be able to exploit them best as well when it comes to, uh, to, to Sunday? Let's get a little bit silly because... <laughs> Every time we get silly and talk about Europe, we go on an absolute disaster run. By the way, so this is on you, Adam. If you want, this, to do I'll this. take. I'll, t- I'll take the heat. Don't worry. Because looking at the, we're going to have to stare at the table, whatever form it's in, for quite a while after this next game. Wouldn't it be fun if we're, we're playing Villa? New, as you say, new manager bounce. It seems like even with the interim, they were like, "Remember what Stephen Gerrard told us to do? Don't do any of that." We're just going to play simple football. We're going to structure that. Just we're going to play players in their real positions. Great. Uh, they seem like they're a decent side. Who knows what happens there? But we're also two wins on the trot. Uh, Deserby coming to the forefront. Let's just say we get three points from that game. Fulham are a good. I think Fulham, as it currently stands, are a better side than Manchester United. Now, there's a chance then that we enter into this this break in fifth above above Manchester United and Chelsea. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be fun, yeah. I, it's, it's, we get to stare at that table for weeks. I know, especially with the World Cup and then the, the transfer window happening after it, right? You, you have that sort of, we are fifth in the league. Like you can, I guess we're, we're talking about attracting players that we have no idea about, but, you know, it'd be nice. I think where's uh, <laughs> the devil on my shoulder is going, where's the lowest that we can also finish <laughs> for this World Cup? So, yeah. um, so I was just looking at the table here, I got distracted. But yeah, I mean, it's good form. You know, we were on 21 points from 13 games. It's really not bad. I think we're, considering that we, we got assets stripped and, and lost some of our best players, you can't ask for more, can you? And we went through a spell playing your Manchester City. I mean, we played Manchester City at the Etihad now too. We don't need to do that again. We mm. played Liverpool. We played Spurs. played Chelsea. Uh, we took points from some of these teams. We played Manchester United. Took points from them. Um, I th- yeah, it's the, it's the top eight everybody predicted at the beginning of the season, I think. <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal top of the league going into Qatar. <laughs> Newcastle in the top four. Brighton in the top five. Uh, Fulham in the top eight. Everybody saw this coming. Uh, I think this is just, you know, everybody saw this happening. Um, unsurprising, very dull, very, very samey. It's the same guys at the top all the time. Invariably, the, the, the top six will be standard to the end of the season. But the, the thought of everything that this club has been through over the course of the last few months, the idea that before we kick off on Boxing Day, that this side can essentially be fifth place in the league above Manchester United and Chelsea after 
everything that's happened. Think of the feeling everyone had, not only after we lost, quote unquote, two best players, didn't sign an out and out number nine that had a, a proper uh, background, uh, lost everyone from a coaching and management staff, had the soul ripped out of the club, if you want to argue that. And that's that's what you get to. That's unbelievable. And that speaks to a very exciting future, even if we do tumble down the table in the January, February, March months and end up finishing in 12th, 13th, 14th. It's still an amazing, amazing situation to be in. And you've got to think the amount of time that Deserby is now going to get to build on the tiny little foundation he's put in, right? Like they've got the ideas, they've seen them in practice, they've started to get results from them in practice. Uh, now let's spend the next six to eight weeks intensively drilling this shit into you if you're not in Qatar. Uh, invariably, our best players are in Qatar, so they're going to adapt to this quicker anyway. That's what their footballing brains are going to do. Um, so they're not going to have, you know, they're the ones you're not too worried about adapting to this kind of routine. Uh, and our first game back is possibly against the bottom three team in Southampton. They're currently in there. Um, and, you know, they could be absolutely blitzed at St. Mary's uh, come Boxing Day. Um, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, I, I, for one, can't wait to watch Caicedo, Estepinion, Trossard and McAllister all blow out ACLs in group stage games. Don't, um, don't put that evil on now, now we've Now we've put all this excitement out there. I can't wait to watch every single Brighton player just like get blasted in Qatar in those I, I, stupid stadiums i'm gonna be watching matoma get clattered into every single group game and just wince every time yeah yeah one last point i know because you said craig we're not we're not putting a slight on any other players but i'll when the importance of matoma to this team now despite his minimal amount of games played that what you saw yesterday is the difference between a player of his quality and a player like Solly. And Solly's been performing amazingly well, but Solly doesn't do what Matoma does from a, a final pass perspective. Fully going around a man and then getting the ball to the perfect place. That's the difference between a player that's very, very capable and very, very good for this team and a player that can change a game like Matoma does. So uh, he cannot get injured. He's, he's going to be very important to this team. It would, I mean, it would be an absolute disaster, wouldn't it? Um, Germany, Spain and Costa Rica in their group. Uh, I think the only solace we can take from that is the likelihood of them going through the group stages is like very, very, very low, isn't it? Um, so he should only have a quick jaunt out to Qatar and he should get plenty of rest and, you know, work with us to, to get himself back in the game, I think, um, as long as he doesn't come away hurt. Um, last thing to note before we wrap up, uh, three different goal scorers again yesterday. Um Again, something we've been talking about for a long time. Uh, we need to get the goals away from just relying on Mopay, for example, back in back back last season and stop relying on that one man to score goals. Uh, Lalana, Mitoma and Gross yesterday, uh, three different goals, three different assists. Um, we're finding the goals now, aren't we? Um, although the Lalana said we don't need to, to sign a striker in January. Um I'm not sure about that. Uh, Man City would disagree, right? You can score loads of goals, but if you bring in Erlen Haaland, uh, you're you're a bit more special. Um, surely the same argument can be made at a much lower level for us, no? Just because we've got goals coming in from everywhere. everywhere. 
You got choked up. You got choked up thinking about it. Josh had a little breakdown thinking about signing a number nine. He's, he's so emotional about it. Yeah, Adam Lallana's quote on match of the day was, "If we want a striker as good as Danny Welbeck, then we need to spend eighty to ninety million pounds." In my opinion, in the English market, they don't exist. They're not out there. Don't give him. Don't give him a manager's job anytime soon. Good God. Yes, I don't. I'm not sure. I agree with that statement. But uh, fair play to him. He's looking out for his for his mate Danny Welbeck, and he's a team player. That's good. Good from him. I don't like the fact that it just boosts Andy Naylor's stuff that he comes out with. Unfortunately, well, yeah. I, as we've said time and time again, if you can score elsewhere, you don't have to worry so much about the the the, the guy up top banging in the goals. And if we're going to see renaissances from from Lalana and Co. and incredible form from some other players banging the goals in. I don't really care. I just I want to see that over a longer period of time than a, than a handful of games. But I may regret saying this, but I, don't, I feel like you can't can't help but score under under this Deserby tactic. Once once they understand truly how it works, you're going to be scoring goals. It's just if you don't concede as many down the other end of the pitch. Nobody tell Adam Lallana Harlem cost fifty one. Don't tell. <laughs> they don't exist, John. It's it's always been that age old cliche isn't it if, if we're scoring everywhere else then we you don't need a 20 goal a season striker uh, the, our issue has been that we don't score from anywhere else so now that, we, score. Yeah. Yeah, now, now that we are uh, you know that that conversation again just props up but you know you're, you're never going to turn down a 20 goal a season striker it's whether it's absolutely necessary to the way you play and um, if we're going to have gross chipping in if you extrapolate and he gets what 10 12 goals this year Trossard gets 10 12 then suddenly you are having that conversation very quietly but you're, you're having that conversation that you know you can deal with a, an eight goal a season striker or a five goal a season striker because if he's setting up 10 for other people then the ga ratio is still there uh, 10 12 goals also makes him their best uh, best Premier League striker ever by the way uh, that's that's where we're at um, which would just A go to show I mean we know right like we know how hard it is for teams at this level to score a lot of goals in the Premier League uh, that's why everybody talks about Ivan Tony and how good he is at that level because he's the guy uh, that's the sort of thing we need to try and find um, but yeah that you know if we can get 12 goals from Trossard like that would be absolutely insane uh, Pierre in the chat, do you reckon uh, the new signing that we signed uh, from Argentina, I think it was, uh, Rosario. Rosario, yeah, uh, will go straight into the first squad or sent out on loan? Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, I'm not going to enjoy it. Uh, Buenard Net, I don't know. Uh, he uh, He's 17, Pierre. I think we've signed him for about 8 million quid. Um, I think he's a usg Every day of the week, I think he'll be going to USG in January. Um, at 17, I don't think we're going to be bleeding him into the squad too soon when we're going to have players that can play in his position, uh, like Sarmiento and our NC, so that you're probably going to want to roll out there first. Um, I think he's going to follow that Kasper Kozlowski option that, that we're doing. Uh, I don't know where he's even at right now, by the way. That's it for Tess, uh, like, I think. Yeah. They're very excited by him. Argentina are very excited by this kid. Uh, very, very, very excited by him. Uh, next Messi level excited. Uh, will that happen? With the way we are with South American talents, very possibly. Um, so just, like, it sounds ridiculous at this point. If you'd have told people 10 years ago that that's a genuine possibility with, with our recruitment, 
uh, you'd be laughed out of the room. But you know, will he will he be the next Messi for Brighton? No. Will he be it for Real Madrid or someone when they take him off us for eighty million in four years? There's a very good possibility with with the way with our track record over there at the minute. Never forget Billy Arca. All right. So there's 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 downsides as well as upsides. Um, yeah, he's so young. But I, what is, is this Facundo Buonanotte? Maybe could be that. Uh, but Tevez literally got fired from managing that team two days ago as well, so he's he's gone. But uh, supposedly, from everything I've looked up and people that are actually Rosario fans, uh, they they basically said he's far and away the best talent, and he has a ton of upside. So another exciting one. Like it, maybe we look back as you say in a few years and we go, how we how we manage that again. But yeah, he's not he's not going to step into this team for a few years. I, I cannot imagine unless he's has that NCSO level promise and he, he actually gets kept into the squad. But I think from a work permit standpoint, I'd be shocked if he doesn't have to go and earn that elsewhere for the time being. I was about to say NCSO is eighteen, right? So like, yeah. it's not not far off. Um, yeah, and I'll have to look it up. But if he has an Italian passport or or something like that, he. You potentially won't need to, but there you go. I, yeah, it's, there's there's a quick loan out or something like that, or just bed him in. But 17 years old that means he was born in what 2004, 2005. Yes, yeah, what best not thinking about really. Yeah, uh, existential crisis is to end your uh, end the together BHA episode 192. <laughs> uh, sorry, lovely. Um, he's uh, he's actually played nine games for Vitesse this season so far. Kosowski, one goal, one assist. Um, Hard to know though, isn't it? Because Mitoma couldn't get minutes for USG. So it's it's so hard to really get a read on what that even means for him when he comes back to us. Um, because we had the same, you know, oh, Mitoma's only coming on as impact sub. He does well when he comes on, but he's not getting games, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then he's, I mean, we've seen what he's doing right now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to know. Uh, but the good thing is that he's getting games at least, uh, which is always a plus for a player that young. It's also loaned out before the Zerbi got here as well. So I'm, I'm sure he'll want to take a look at him when he gets back as well. Yeah, I think our loan army is going to be thoroughly vetted when he uh, when he gets a hold of them in January or the summer, depending on which one. Because he might call, where you call one or two of them. Uh, but yeah, I think this summer especially, there's going to be a lot of people playing their, their, their hearts out to try and win a place in his new, new, new role, I think. All right, fellas. Well, I think that's everything. Uh, we have one more podcast to go uh, next weekend where we'll be covering Arsenal and Villa uh, before we head off to the World Cup. Uh, quite what we're going to do during the World Cup, I don't know. Um, if anybody who's watching or listening has any ideas of what you'd want from us during the World Cup, feel free. Uh, if you just want us to shut up and you want to just watch the World Cup in peace, uh, you can tell us that too and we'll happily take the break. <laughs> it's whatever you want. Uh, we'll, we'll try and make it work. Um, so yeah, let us know uh, what you would like from us during uh, the World Cup, um, and we will we will endeavour to deliver. Um, but outside of that, uh, what do you got, fellas? Anything else? Any final parting thoughts for the uh, for the week? Well, I'm gonna I'm taking advantage of this free global shipping that expires today. I'm, I'm gonna, as we said at the start, I think I'm gonna get one of these ugly home shirts. Uh, any opinions? I'm debating between Caicedo or Matoma on the back, but I'm also very conscious that whomever it is that I get on the back will leave in January. So let let me know what you think, uh, or whether I should just go with an old classic, get dunk on there or something. 
But yeah, that's that's my only question. I'm caught between the two. You yeah. watch Donkey get bought for like a hundred million <laughs> from Chelsea now. Bowley's in there immediately. He'll get called up to England. He'll win us the World Cup as captain because someone will get hurt at the end. He'll score the winning penalty and Bowley will buy him for like ninety-eight million pounds and he'll be gone in January. And your dunk shirt's in the absolute mud. And you'll finish his last ever interview for Brighton talking about the dream he always had to play at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> Stephen telling me he's getting mope. Unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be wonderful. Um, <laughs> do you imagine the confusion in people's faces seeing a brand new shirt with mope on the back? Um, I feel like the club shop would probably email you asking if you're sure. Yeah, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. fellas uh have a wonderful week uh these games will be coming thick and fast uh but make the most of them because they're gone soon and we've got to watch uh the world cup instead so, yeah maybe uh, maybe we'll talk maybe we'll do one world cup show where we talk about performances of the brighton players that have played if, if anyone's interested in that maybe we can, we can piece that together yeah i was thinking mm. the same thing uh i'm sure we'll all be sitting and watching a lot of football uh during that time because mm-hmm. they are like peak working day work from home times for the World <laughs> Cup in the US, uh, especially on the East Coast over here. Um, all right, so stay safe, everybody. Uh, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Uh, enjoy the games this week, uh, whether win, lose, or draw, because uh, you'll miss them when they're gone. Uh, this uh, this next six weeks are probably going to drag, especially if we do really well. You have to watch us sitting in fifth for all that time. Want more. <laughs> Cheers, all. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.